Hi, guys. How are you? I am super uncoordinated, so I think this is going to be interesting how I'm going to hold a mic and, like, talk, because I like to use both hands, so that might be a bit of an issue, but... Oh, God, let's just open up in prayer. Father God, we thank you. We love you. We love Jesus. We love you, Holy Spirit. You're just welcome. We just honor your presence, God. God, we just, I pray for open hearts. God, I pray for the engrafted word of God. God, I pray for the anointing that destroys yokes and breaks bondages to be present today, God. I pray that every ear would be open and every eye would perceive what you're saying and showing us today through your word, Father God. I thank you for grace upon grace, God. I love you. In you, our hearts are exceedingly glad, God. Our souls seek to please you, God. You are awesome and mighty and powerful and strong in us, God. We rejoice in you, God. God, we bless you. We thank you. We call every miracle into manifestation during this meeting in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Um, I've got to put on my timer so I follow these rules about how much time I have. Okay. So as Catherine was saying, I have been at Glad Tidings since 2002, but we did leave for a couple of years and moved to Texas. But when I came to Glad Tidings Church, I came um, pregnant out of wedlock I came broken, completely bound in oppression. I was so bound that like I couldn't even, I could not say hallelujah. I could not lift up my hands for probably the first five years of being at Glad Tidings. I sat up and probably the last two rows in the balcony there under the exit sign. And I was bound in fear. So let me back back it up a little bit. I grew up in a, a home with a single mom. My mom's African-American and my dad is Mexican-American. And that miracle in and of itself for those two races or nationalities to come together. I was born a month early due to domestic violence. And so I came into the world in some very stressful circumstances. So uh, from the very beginning, the enemy was trying to kill me. He was trying to destroy me and rob from me, but God, hallelujah. So hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So I, I grew up and my mom, uh, you know, she had her own issues. I love her. She's new. She's a new person. And thank God that we really can be transformed into new people. Right. But when I grew up, I grew up in a household that was very poor on welfare and public housing with a stressed out mom working sometimes four jobs. Um, I was very fearful, but my mom had enough sense to know that we needed to be in the house of the Lord. So we were bust kids. So somebody would come pick us up and we'd load on the bus, my sisters and I, and we would go to Wednesday night church and choir practice on Sundays and, uh, or Saturday mornings. And we, we were always in the church. And to this day, the smell of pews and uh, old carpet just does something to a girl, you know, <laughs> like, yes, I love it. So in the midst of being scared and fearful and all of these things growing up and, and crazy situation, my dad was not present. Um, and I, I didn't know that you could like that God gave gifts and that he created me and he put all of these things inside of me. So I began to at church encounter what I now know was the Holy Spirit in mysterious ways, right? And I also would know things as a little child that I didn't understand how I knew them, right? So you take fearful circumstances, poverty, not knowing if there was going to be food in the house. And then you take this little unique child who's like, she just said that, but she, that's not what is in her heart. And all of these things are incongruent and you become anxious and fearful and agree with lies. And I remember sitting on the bottom of my um, bunk bed as a kid and thinking, I think I have ESP and that's not of God. 
and God is going to get me and I'm in big trouble and I'm under the influence of the enemy and what is wrong with me? And if people only knew what I was thinking and I just created this crazy world of being overstimulated all the time and my own stuff that I was carrying. And it caused me to eventually, as I got older, run away from the Lord. Um, I thought I'm unholy. I'm unclean. I didn't understand the power of the cross, the blood of Jesus. I didn't understand these things. So I, I, I'm out in the world. I was promiscuous. I was a hot mess. I was tormented. I was evil. I was rageful. I was sick. I was sick, very, very sick. And, uh, but the Lord, but the Lord in his great mercy kept whispering to me and pulling me and reminding me. And, and I found myself here, you know, I remember coming to the altar and somebody praying over me and feeling the power of God come over my womb and God just began to minister to me. And so I just want to remind you that you can come and sit in the house of the Lord and sit under anointed preaching and teaching and still be bound because you have to break lies. You have to allow the truth of God, the incorruptible seed of the most high God come into you and change you and transform you into another man. And so a new man. And so, um, needless. And I'd sit up there just torment and the service would be over and they dismiss. And, and I would jet out of here. I would jet because I didn't want anybody to seed me or read my mail. I was like, somebody's going to stop me and they're going to give me a word and they're going to know every vile, foul thing I've ever done. And I just don't even want to deal with it. How crazy is that? It kept me from community. It kept me from opening my heart. I mean, I was just a hot mess, a hot mess, but I thank God. Because he watches over his word to perform it. King Jesus came to set the captives free. And he has the final say. And he is not content with us being bound. And he wants us to receive the finished work of the cross. Which is not just salvation. It's healing. It's deliverance. It's freedom. Because when we're free, then we free others. When we're saved, we lead others to salvation. When our hearts are healed, then we heal others. That's what we want to to reproduce in other people's lives, right? So there's that story. Okay. So, and more will probably come out, but so renewing the mind. Okay. Let's talk about that. So, okay. So the, in the old Testament, the word chadash means to renew, repair, Chalaf means to change, pass, renew, strike through, grow up, abolish, sprout again, alter, pass away, cut off, go on, pass over. Okay. And to, in the New Testament, to renew, to renovate, to cause to grow up, uh, to make new, to, to make new with strength and vigor to be changed into a new kind of life as opposed to the former corrupted state. So this will be rich in scripture because I believe the word of God is living and active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. So Romans 12, 12 says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So this is God transforming me, God changing the way that I think. Ephesians 4, 20 through 23 says, but that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off. That's something I have to do. Your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let God, his spirit, renew your thoughts and attitudes. Colossians 3.10 says, put on, that's something I have to do, your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. So the question is, how do I renew my mind? So in those, in that text, it says there's something that I have to do. And there's something clearly that the Lord can do. Like we carry, I love 
that woman. I love her, love her, love her. She's so good about taking all these complex spiritual things and just making them real so we can apply these principles to our everyday life. So, so because I tend to think more abstract and out here, I'm just always challenged to bring it, bring it on down so that it's just real and practical. <laughs> You're laughing, Joanne, because you know, oh, mercy, Jesus. Okay. So, so how do I, how do I personally, okay, this is, this is me believe this is the way, I mean, like you're invited to have your own thought about the matter, right? There's freedom in that. So what I do is I position myself to receive from the Holy spirit, the renewing of my mind. I do this by getting out of my mind or out of my thoughts, so to speak, that are, because I have thoughts that don't line up with God's thoughts. I, I think things that are not true. So I have to put those things aside and get into what Christ says about the matter. So I have to think about whatsoever is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, ad, admirable. So again, I, I, how do I do this? I position myself by just kind of getting out of my own head and getting into the mind of Christ about the matter. So my um, carnal thoughts will never lead me anywhere good. They're never, they've never have taken me on a road to success and they won't. So I've got to have a sanctified mind, a sanctified imagination. And how that happens is by going into the word and getting what God says about the matter. So, um, okay, let's see where I want to go with this. Okay. A couple more things. Listen, the spirit of God, the spirit of truth, the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of God, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of the fear and all of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, his presence is pivotal in anything that we could ever endeavor to do. Okay. Whether it's losing weight, whether it's, um, changing uh, a new, making a new family tree, whatever it is, if it's cooking, I've recognized that I need God to help me do everything. And I think you ladies do too. We, we are not uh, deceived in that way. We need his grace. I want to read Colossians, more of Colossians. I read a, a scripture, but Colossians 3, 1, 17 says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set this is something I do, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things on earth, for you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of his glory. So me again, I've got to put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within me, having nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. I cannot be greedy for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still a part of the world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malice, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Wow. Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others above all clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts for as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Always be thankful. 
Always be thankful. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Okay, so there's a lot of things that we have to do. Like a lot of things. We have to put off things. We have to put on things. But can we do those things in and of our own strength? No. So this is what I do. When I practice renewing my mind, which really I'm just centering myself because Holy Spirit is the one who comes and changes things, right? So I position myself by getting out of my head, out of my carnal thoughts and getting into the mind of Christ by getting into his word. And when I get in his word and there's an area of my life that does not line up with what the word of God says, I cast down every vain imagination in every argument, every lofty thing that is trying to exalt itself above the knowledge of Christ. So That's what we do. We fix our things not on the temporal things that are temporary, the things that we can see, but we fix our eyes on the things that are unseen. And I don't know about you, but the more I think about like, um, you know, if I'm going to put the weight back on that I lost and I worked really hard to do, or if um, my kids are going to be seers. Or if, you know, if, if my son is going to make it to the NBA, the more I think about these things, it doesn't improve the situation. I'm not thinking something into manifestation. It's, it's not, it's not doing anything. If I focus on the problem or the issue that never, I need to focus on the Lord. I need to behold and become him because when I see him, when I, when I picture him high and lifted up, all of those things, they just kind of fade away into the rightful place. And then I behold him and all of his beauty and all of his glory. And I get what he says and I just pull it down from heaven and I get to apply it. So then when I'm doing dishes because the dishwasher is broke and I'm upset then I don't have to do it from a place of being ticked off. I get to do it with love, peace, and joy, right? So that's very simple. Like I am the biggest, I'm all about the, the sword. I'm all about the sword. I'm all about, you know, helping people get free and deliverance and all of these things. But, you know, I've got to, I can't, you know, I'll, t- I'll share this with you. And then Jenny's going to share is okay. So, so I love to pray and we'll get into that later. And my mind has been renewed in the word of God by being in God's presence, by trading lies for truth, for believing what he says about my circumstances and my situation and about the people that I'm around. Cause I can even get in an attitude about them if they rub me the wrong way. So I've got to get in God's mind about that. But, um, there was this time in my life where I had rich encounter with the Lord and it was crazy radical and people in my life were like, I don't even like know who you are. You're not even the same. And so I, my spirit man had gotten so built up. Like I just felt like a giant. I was a giant slayer. All demonic stuff was like grasshoppers in my eyes and all this. And you know what? My spirit man got so full and I'm praying one day and I'm, I'm just praying. And the Lord shows me this like anorexic woman who's very busty. I'll just say that. And I thought, well, what on God's green earth is that? And he said, you are so full of milk. Your spirit man is so full, but you're neglecting your body. Your body is the temple of your spirit, of the Holy Spirit. You're neglecting these other parts of your life. You're tripartite. You can't just build up your spirit man, build up your spirit man, and then be walking around like near sugar diabetes and, you know, all of this stuff, a mess that that's no good. And so I really... Uh, learned through renewing my mind that it's, it's really about the tripartite being. That's how the natural everyday life, I was ignoring some, I was like, I just want to be in heaven. I just want to be in heaven. Behold the glory. And then my kids are like, are you going to cook dinner? I'm like, I'm catching revelation for, come on up child, come on up a little higher. And they're standing there like, this is not helping us. So anyway, 
I'll, Jenny is going to talk. There's many vehicles um, to renewing your mind and abiding life practices, which we're going to talk about next. I feel like I'm all over the place, but I trust that the spirit is just getting you guys where you need it. Right. Okay. Okay. Hello, everybody. Um, this is new to me, so excuse me <laughs> if I stammer and stumble. But, um, you know, when Kerry asked me to share this time about what I do personally to be able to abide in the Lord, um, one of the first things that came to my heart was how I'm so not ready today to speak about it. <laughs> but this I know, that the Lord who puts things into our hearts puts it for a reason, that we grow not into a tree immediately, but there are, it's a seed that the Lord, every seed that you put into the ground, it grows in you, within you. And when you're weak, he rises up. And I think that is the strength of an abiding life. And how I did that, I, I journal. Now, I came to Christ when um, I was in college. I was in India. And um, I was a very popular girl in school, if you will. And... Uh, my heart was always full of joy, and I loved making people happy. Uh, I lost my dad when my mom was pregnant with me. He died of a cardiac arrest when he was 33 and a half. And um, I came to Christ when I, I was a wild child. I came to Christ in, in the 90s. And um, it was a very exciting time for me to think that this God that I really wanted to please, uh, but I was not able to actually wanted to talk with me. And that was big for me. And the way that um, I heard the preachers speak about it was that he will talk to you through his word. And I said, really? He does that? Okay, let me do it. Because I've read the word before and I've never thought of hearing from God. And so I would just, um, initially it started as like an interview. You know, you would sit down and when you hear people talk, you write it down. So every time a preacher is talking, I would write it down because that's the word of God, right? <laughs> He's talking. And I would go home and I would check up what these preachers are telling me. What is that about? And I would look at it and then I would make that my prayer. I say, okay, Lord, if this is what you are saying, I want to be that. I'm not that. Change me. I want to be changed. And that's how I started writing. And then it became that I would sit with the Lord and say, there were times I would sit in a, in a, in a pew like this and there would be nobody. And I'd say, Lord, speak. I want to hear you. I really want to hear you. And I'm not. <laughs> so I would sit and I would read. I would read and read and read and read and I'd fall off to sleep. And this was in college. I should be studying. <laughs> but there would be times that my friends were going out for movies or things. And I was just so caught up to the fact that God loved me and that I can know him, that I just wanted to do that. So I'd just sit down and sometimes I'd fall off to sleep in the pews and um, I'd get up and I was refreshed in a way that I'd never been before. So there was something in the presence of God that I was getting, but I didn't know that. And, and as I sat, I just, I would write down. Sometimes it was just what the word of God that I read that day was. And I just write it down. I read Psalm 61 today and I just wrote it down because it says, when I am overwhelmed, Lord, you are with me. And I'm overwhelmed right now. <laughs> so I knew I would be. But he said, I would be with you. I will make my vows to my God. And he will help me perform it. Wow. He, will, he, he says, I will be with you. So I started writing those things down. And that's how my journaling started. Really, I didn't know it was something that you did. It just became what I did out of my desire to follow God. And this desire, I realized, you know, when I came here to America and people were talking about devotions, devotions, did you do your devotions? And I didn't know what that meant. And then I started realizing this is my devotion. What the Lord talks to me that day or what I have read and what I put down becomes what I want to be for the Lord. And what I want to be for the Lord becomes my prayer. And what my prayer is, I become. We don't see it in a day, but you become so the Lord says, what, what Chris said, uh, this Colossians 3 really ripped me out of myself because it says, put this away from you and put on this. Okay, I want tender mercies and I don't have that. And the Lord says, well, there are some things you put away. <laughs> so, you know, I, I'm a very practical in, in, in the sense I need a picture and that word picture helps me put things away and put on things. So I sometimes I would just take the scarf and I would put it away and say, okay, this is my 
thought, you know, and it is unkind to somebody. Lord, I'm putting away this thought and I'm putting on what you have for me. It says, you have tender kindness. I don't have it, but Christ has it. And he says, all that is mine is yours. And so I put it on. So I don't just take that practically. I take another scarf and put it on myself. Excuse me, but that's the way I did it. And I put it on. I said, Lord, I receive it because I don't have it. And I want it. So this is my prayer that you change me. And slowly but surely, everything in my life has become that way. And when I, I was, my brother and I were the first believers in my family. And um, we were Orthodox Christian. And you were taught that this is, I mean, God is supreme. And what he says is, and you don't question anything. But when I had, when I saw that my soul has all these problems and my spirit says, this is the way it should be. And I was not adding up. I feared because it was not showing forth. But the word of God says that I can trust him to do this for me. And so I would go and write that down. Um, There were things, I mean, because we were the first ones in my family. In India, everything is, uh, I mean, mine is an arranged marriage. I know that's strange for some of you. So, but you, you, the man you get married to should be in your community. It should be somebody your parents know, and he should have wealth and be settled. And how do you do that when you're not in the community, when you're not among what, what people have said that it should be? What do you do then? So then I said, I don't know what to do. I look unto the heavens. Where does my help come from? My help is from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. So I would just say that and say, Lord, you did this. Now you better finish it. <laughs> yeah. So. And then, so when I met my husband and, you know, how do I know this is the one? Because the Lord says, you can ask of me and I will tell you (laughs) things that you do not know. And he would give me peace. And I would come back to that and there's such peace. And I'd say, okay, so that was before my wedding. After we got married, the doctor said, "Um, you know, you have this problem and you can't have kids. I said, but for my wedding, I had a verse and it says, my Psalm 16, and it says that, my inheritance have fallen for me in pleasant places. You have a godly inheritance. The Lord is my portion. I said, this is not your portion for me. I will not receive it. I said, I will have your portion for me. And I would stand upon the word and cry unto the Lord. And those who, those of you, you don't have kids and you know what I'm talking about. It's a very painful thing to think that the doctors have said, you're not going to have kids anymore. Now, I'm like, no, that's not what the Lord says. He said it this way. For me, this is how it was. And I would, I would just stand up on the promise and, says, and I say, this is mine in, in, in Jesus' name. I have two wonderful children. My son is taller than I am. And uh, my daughter is now 10 and he's 12. And um, so each of those things, I believe, is because he taught me to just stand upon the word of God and believe that to me. Mine and I, I, I took all my journals and I was going to bring it. And my husband's like, "What's wrong with you? Why are you taking all those journals with you?" I said, "Because that's my life. It's made history with Jesus, so that it becomes like altars." In the Old Testament, the Lord tells, um, you know, Joshua in Joshua chapter four, I believe, that He says, "Build altar when you cross the Jordan. Build that altar there as a remembrance of what the Lord has done." And for me, when I look back at my journals and I am weak and I don't know what to do about that present situation, I go back to the altars that I have built with the Lord. He has been faithful then. He will be faithful now. In fact, um, you know, I was, when Kerry was talking yesterday, I was thinking sometimes it's easier for us to see the thieves in somebody else's life than the thief in our own life. <laughs> and I think that's, that's where I have been through in the last few months, really, um, and I said, Lord, I want to see the thief in my, well, I didn't see a thief in my life. I didn't know it. I didn't word it that way. I said, I know there's some things I'm not getting and I want to see why. You know, I, I, I backed into, I don't know if any of you have done this, uh, but I know my friend there has, my sister. <laughs> I backed into the garage. Uh, while I'm driving out, I backed right into my garage. And that's not the first time. That's the second time I did that. (laughs) And the first time I did that, this, you know, the man who came to repair the garage was like, I hope you'll be thinking the next time you drive out. Like, I hope so too. (laughs) But, but I knew that was just, that was a reaction emotionally of, you know, it came out physically as backing into a garage of something that was not at peace in my spirit. And I didn't know what that was. And I said, Lord, reveal that to me. I want to know. 
And the Lord is really good about showing you thieves in your life. And it can be scary and you don't know what to do about it, but he is faithful when we want to change. Like I said, your spirit, you know, this is how it should be. And I'm not that. And you ask of the Lord, he is faithful to show you how you can change, but you have to receive that and change. So when I asked the Lord, well, I, and I was saying, Lord, purify my love. And it was really, I really wanted him to do that for him. And it came through um, one of my dear family members, let's say, <laughs> and uh, something like this happened again. And, and, um, and um, they go, you know, every time you get upset about something, you do something. So what was it that you backed into the garage for? What were you thinking? And at that point, it was like revelation. This is exactly what the Lord was telling me. That every time my heart is not at peace with God, I do things in the physical because emotionally I'm not at peace with Christ. And that, I was like, wow, that's the Lord talking to me. I asked of him and he told me exactly what it was, that when I am not at peace with God and my emotions are not settled in Christ, I do things physically that may be foolish and bring me, like Kerry was saying, it brings me to a place where the enemy can get me, that I am able to be felled, if you will. And um, that was amazing for me, that it was like the mat pulled under my under my leg, I fell flat down. I was like, oh, did you just say that to me? But immediately, the, you know, it reminded me. I asked of the Lord, show me. And he did. So God is faithful like that. And one of the things, again, that journaling has helped me do is give me pictures. I, I, I love to draw. So sometimes I just draw what the Lord has. This is, this is like the fire. There's lightning. There's, there's fire. And there's the word of God. And Um, My husband and I are sitting around it and uh, my children are sleeping around it. But, you know, words, pictures like this help me realize there's something that the Lord has for us, for us as a family. And these word pictures are things we pray into. You know, it's not over. (laughs) He has something for each of our lives and it's further up. And I can pray because I have seen the picture, what the Lord has said ahead of me. Just like he has spoken about when he says in Psalm 84 that go around the ramparts of Jerusalem. Go around it, count her, see her beauty. He's talking about New Jerusalem and we can picture and imagine that. Why does the Lord want us to do that? Because our hope is not lost in who we are now, but we will be changed. (laughs) We will be changed. And he is the one who does our changing as we wait upon him. And, and another thing that it does for me as journaling is it reminds me who I am, that I am loved of Christ. I am his, I belong to him. And that I think is very important as a believer for us to know is sometimes I just journal that. I just say, Lord, I thank you that I belong to you. I thank you that I am yours. I thank you that nothing can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing. Not what people speak over you. Not what you think about yourself. Not what your circumstances say. Nothing can take you away from the love of God in Christ Jesus. If he's emptied heaven for you, he will also bring you to himself. He's able to keep you blameless to the day of your, his coming. Blameless in your spirit, soul, and body. And it says, he who calls you is faithful and he will do it when your desire is him. And I just wanted to close now with uh, one of the poems that I, I, I write poetry to. And it's not the greatest, but it helps me align my thoughts towards God and what he has done for me. And I realize that it's always, if you read through all of my, I keep thinking if my children ever read my journals when I'm gone, uh, they'd all be like, wow, she's always saying, Lord, make me something, make me something. <laughs> it's always about, but there's something about that, that it keeps you dependent and realizing that I need him. I need him all the time. So um, I actually have two poems. One was written in 2001, way long time ago. And, It's amazing how it kind of rhythms with what I'm going through even now. So it says that words don't always come easy. The mind is endless cosmos of emotion. 
Who can know, compare the trickle of water that's leaking out of a tank to the depth and the width of the contents within it? Where do I start to put the galaxies together? How can I know the star from the meteor? Where does my mind go when lost in that confusion of the unspoken? I go to the one who made the cosmos, who knows every star by name, who makes the rain to come and the sun to shine, on whose authority the meteors fall. But he sees the sparrow, he clothes the lily, he knows my needs. He who made the universe, he's a father to me. And when I'm low, he'll raise me up. When I'm lost, he found me. And when I'm hurt, he, he cleared me. When I, was, when I was unworthy, he loved me. There my mind finds calm. There in his love, my spirit rejoices. In the shadow of the cross, my darkness becomes light. In his word, my life takes breath. At his name, my knees bend. Yahweh Adonai El Shaddai. And this I wrote last week. And it's so similar. It's crazy that it's so many years passed between the two. It's like, Lord, set free. I am set free. Yet I stay in thorn walls of an old story. I am made new. Yet I sink back to the shadows of buried forms and fears. Restored. Yet I exchange his glories so easily for garments and shrouds of shame. But rise up, rise up yet, my soul, and live this abundant life in him alone. Amen. I pray that he will take you to places that are quiet and strong with him. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Lord. That's so good. So good. So beautiful. Okay. Are you going to help me with my time? Because I can't figure my app back out. Okay. Okay. Oh, yes. If you guys have any questions, remember Miss Emma, write them down on a card. If you need a card, just hold up your hand and Miss Emma will get one to you. So as you're thinking, if you have anything that you need help processing, okay? So the next um, topic we kind of want to address is the abiding life practices, right? Um, and so what does it mean, right, to abide, to bear patiently, to endure without yielding, to withstand the onrush of the enemy, to wait for, to accept without objection, to abide with your decision. This is what Merriam-Webster is saying. To remain stable or fixed in a state of love, a love that abode with him all the days, to continue in a place, sojourn will abide in the house of the Lord. Okay, so that's a lot. Abiding is just sticking with Jesus, right? Just sticking, remembering that you're a branch, remembering he's the vine, remembering the father is the good gardener and that he's going to prune every branch in me that's not bearing fruit, right? He's going he's gonna to cut off stuff that needs to be cut off. And sometimes it hurts when things get cut off, especially if they're big branches, right? So um, I'm thinking of the trees in our house. We live in a 44-year-old house, and we have big, huge male cottonwood tree in the back. We have ash trees and that should have been dead, according to the news, and, you know, pine trees. And everything is overgrown. And I'm like, wow, we really need to have somebody come and trim our trees. And I think, whoa, this has kind of gotten out of control. And some of these things, they might need to take really big branches off of our trees, not just the little suckers off of the branches, but like big branches. And that will be painful to me to watch that happen. And I'm sure it will be a little painful for the tree. So um, abiding, how do we abide? I mean, it's like this big, huge, for me, sometimes spiritual thing out here. And what does that look like practically in everyday life? And so I, I want to first say uh, three things. I recognize that God is always present. So I'm abiding, I'm recognizing that God is always present. Luke 24, 35. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking bread. So Jesus is with them and they didn't even know it until they broke bread, right? Psalm 139, 7, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence, God. Jeremiah 23, 24, can anyone hide from me in a secret place? Am I not everywhere in all the heavens and the earth, says the Lord? So, God, I just acknowledge you. Abiding, 
looks like. God, I just acknowledge that you're here, that you're omnipresent, uh, that you're omniscient, that you're here, like you're closer to me than the air that I'm breathing right now. And I just acknowledge you and I honor you. And then you, you recognize that God wants to work with us in our actual tasks and duties, as Carrie says, over our everyday normal life, <laughs> uninspired life task driven life. He's there. So, um, yes. Okay. And then third to speak to God continually throughout the day. So again, I won't read the whole scripture for the sake of time, but you know, he wants to be in a part of us in our ordinary everyday waking, sleeping, uh, drinking, maybe slapping our two-year-old on the wrist because they did something they weren't supposed to do. You know, he's there. He's every moment of every hour of every day. Where can I escape from your presence? So things you can do is talk to God all throughout the day about everything, right? Instead of just staying in your head about, oh my gosh, I cannot believe she said that. Did she really say that? Oh, uh, uh, you know, no, let's, let's like talk to God. Um, if something negative happens in the day, um, that he's wanting to show you, then just, uh, ask him, Lord, that hap- Why did that happen? Is there something in me that I cause that to happen? Perfect me and establish me, show me the error of my ways. You know, I, I want to be right and holy and blameless in your sight. So make me holy as you are holy, um, and noticing him in nature and creation and just taking every opportunity to acknowledge God's presence. And I believe that's the beginning to abiding. So I just want to emphasize on the journaling part of, um, that, that Jenny shared. Okay. So for some of us like me who sometimes are like, Ooh, is hi, Carrie gives us a journal in our real packet, like every year. Do you think she might think it's important that we write down and she may have good cause, right? So just that little disclaimer, I went through my journals and I went through some stuff this past weekend and I thought, well, how many answers to prayer that I forgotten about? Like I wrote in my journal, this is what I want. This is what I need. This is why I want it, need it. And then where God showed up and answered it. And that's why it's important to be able to go back and look at those places. Um, I, if I can get in my lose it app and put down what I had for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And if I can monitor how many steps I'm making a day, clearly taking note of something is extremely extremely important because if I didn't track the 12 pieces of cheesecake I had in a one week length of time, then I know when I get on the scale weekly that the scale's going to be up and it's not going to be a mysterious reason. Same thing if I'm, I'm not tracking like, oh my gosh, my mind keeps going off into there and I just keep taking that train like all the time, then I, I can't even recenter my thoughts unless I'm writing down the correct thought, right? So you can say that I'm not a writer, but you also probably have a voice message app on your phone where you can record your prayers and your answers to prayers. So if you don't like to physically write it or type it on your iPad, you can record. And it's very important to do that. So Okay, so we talked about renewing the mind, abiding life practices, journaling, and the last one is prayer. How am I doing? Oh, golly. Okay, well, there's grace for a couple more minutes, right? So, okay, why do we pray? Because Jesus prayed, because Moses prayed. You know, I find it so interesting that we, like, want to prove text why we do it. We want to go from Genesis to Revelation about why we should do something. But if Jesus Christ did it, That should be enough proof texting, right? So Jesus prayed, so we pray. Jesus fasted, so we fast. Jesus prayed to the Father, so we pray to the Father in how he taught his disciples how to pray. And so um, prayer, um, Richard J. Foster writes in the celebration of discipline, the path to spiritual growth Uh, In the path to spiritual growth, prayer catapults us onto the frontier of the spiritual life. Of all the spiritual disciplines, prayer is the most central because it ushers us into the perpetual communion with the Father. Meditation introduces us to the inner life. Fasting is an accompanying means. Studying transforms our minds. But it is the discipline of prayer that brings us into the deepest and highest work of the human spirit. Real prayer is life-creating and life-changing. 
Wow. That's awesome. Yes. So um, William Carey says, prayer, secret, fervent, believing prayer lies at the root of all personal godliness. So we all know that we should pray. If we want to know how to pray, we can look at Luke 11. Most important thing is if you're not sure how to pray or you feel like your prayers are, God responds to faith. Faith is a currency in heaven. If you want something, you must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And we ask him for something. He doesn't give us the opposite, right? He gives us good things and he satisfies us. And so, um, I just want to share something. So this is crazy. So when I was opening up one of my journals, like my older journal, this piece of like paper fell out of it and I opened it up and it was during a season in my marriage where my husband had just had like radical encounter with the Lord and he was marked by God and he began to pray for me and he would text me a prayer every morning and, um, just through text. And then he went somehow and grabbed all of his texts and printed it on, on paper for me. And when I opened up the journal out of the journal fell it said, it was like August 14th and his prayer was, father, I pray that you would give my wife influence. I pray that you would um, fill her mouth and that you would put her before women and that she would speak your word. And that was in 2014. So, you know, he could have, you know what he said? I totally forgot all about that prayer, but had it not been written down and documented and fallen out just at the right time, then, then there, do you see how important it is to write these things down? So I think we're coming to, I'm going to hand this off. Um, and we're going to move into the Q and a, and, um, can I pray now or should I wait? Let, I'll wait till what's that pray now. Okay. Oh, raise your hand. Does anybody have a question? Does anybody have a card? If not, we will totally turn this into a prayer meeting. Okay. 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 So I just want to pray first and then we're going to get into the um, questions and maybe Jenny will pray later. But so father God, we just thank you for your word that is living and active and sharper than any two edged store that it accomplishes the very thing that you've sent to, to do because it is the un- incorruptible seed father. God, we thank you that we are new creations in Christ. We thank you for your glory. We thank you for your powerful love. We thank you that you are doing a mighty thing in us that we may not not even be able to perceive father. So we just thank you for your good and perfect gifts. We love you. We bless you. Holy spirit. We thank you that you're going to continue this great work that you began in us and that you will see it through to completion in Jesus name. Amen. Okay. Okay. So, okay. Here's the, you want to, you come over here. Okay. How do we find a balance of declaring, declaring God is good in a hard season or when you're struggling with something while still getting to the root of the issue and solving the issue. That's that for me. For <laughs> I'm sorry, it's probably sweaty, so just God bless you. It's anointed. Oh, okay. So. Give me a minute to just sink that in. How do we find balance of declaring God is good in a hard season for when you are struggling with something while still getting to the root of an issue and solving the issue. I believe that declaring that God is good actually gives you confidence to make those decisions. When we, this is what uh, uh, helps me, is that when I make decisions, if I don't know that God does all things well, then I think it's a tightrope that I'm walking. That if I fall off it, that's it. I was outside God's will. <laughs> but somehow, through, through life seasons, I've seen that when I'm confident of God, then God's will becomes more like a garden than, than a tightrope walk. Ooh. Then I'm not falling off and falling off the will of God, but my decisions are based on of who God is. So when we are confident of that, then our emotions are able to settle down to make decisions that are pleasing to the Lord. Where, you know, where the word says that be renewed in your mind. And when you're renewed in your mind, you realize who God is. It said you shall know the perfect will of God. And his perfect will is for you to know who he is as God in your life. That he is good. He loves you. His plans for you are good. 
And therefore, your decisions stem from that. I don't know if that answers it. Okay. So one thing, too, if I may add to that, is that so during really hard seasons where... Um, like I, I'll give you an example. So I um, went and I worked at the universe, a university, and I worked um, in a very stressful environment, not because the work itself was stressful, but all of the spiritual stuff going on in the environment and being hypersensitive. I was always overwhelmed with the information. So that's when I put on like 30 pounds. So what I did was and when I was stressed out, I ate. When I did something, I ate. You know, I was trying to satisfy or bring get peace by some other means, which is making an idol out of something. But, but during those stressful times, too, I just, if I didn't feel it, I declared the word of the Lord over the situation. If I didn't feel it, it, it I, sometimes I thought, God, help me or, or help my unbelief. Because your word is, you're not a man that you should lie, nor son of man that you ought to repent. You're going to do what you say you're going to do. So I... Even though I don't feel it, I'm going to say it. Just like when I was sitting up there all that time, the word of God was still going into me. I wasn't seeing a manifestation or a fullness of that. But then when the dam broke, man, it was radical, right? So we just keep sowing seed. We keep abiding. We keep standing on the word of God. And eventually we'll see victory in that area. And I don't know if it was pastor what, but he said, sometimes we're asking God to deliver us from the storm and he wants to deliver us in the storm. So it's just getting the mind of Christ, which is so hard, which is why you need community and you need people praying for you and you need an inner circle. You don't need to tell everybody your business, but you need to know people who actually are aware that they have a sword on their hip, who know that the word of God is true and will declare it over you when they don't feel it. That that's important. Is that okay? Okay. If my prayer and worship time feels fake and forced, and I, am I doing it wrong? No, 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 no. I mean, again, it's that sowing. We're sowing into the spirit. It says, if you sow to the flesh, you reap of the flesh. But if you sow to the spirit, you can only reap spirit. So you do things when you feel like they're not doing anything. That's, it's called discipline, right? I mean, I don't like the word discipline. I wouldn't buy a t-shirt that said discipline and it had cute little definition and it was in a great font. I would not wear that shirt because we don't like discipline. But thank God that you are even wondering, is it working? The answer is yes. And you be steadfast and you keep doing it when you feel like it and you keep doing it when you don't. Because there are times when I get up to lead a prayer meeting where I'm like, I need somebody laying hands on me and I need to be prostrate, but I'm going to do this. Or when I don't feel the anointing presence, I know that it's there because Christ in me, the hope of glory is indwelling me because I'm sowing to the spirit. I'm going to reap to the spirit because his deep is calling out to my deep that he says that those who come to me with expectation will not be denied and their expectations will not be fulfilled. So we continue to do that thing and we discipline ourselves. We train our bodies like Paul tells us to do. Right? We beat our bodies into submission and we do things when we don't feel like doing them. Even if it means taking the trash to the curb because your spouse won't do it. You know, with a joyful heart. Okay. You want to, oh, here. Oh, which one do you want me to read? You want to hold that one? Okay. Oh, this is for you. I'll ask you the question. Oh. <laughs> when journaling is, um, when journaling, is there a template like want, needs, etc.? How do you start? Well, I started like an interview, <laughs> but I, I think you write what the Lord is impressing on your heart from what you read from the word of God. I think that's the place to start because all other places is what you make something else out of it. It becomes a, it becomes a journaling like my child would do in school. I mean, how, how did your life go? That's not what you want to do. You want to do what, what God is telling you to do and what is what is his thought for your life? And that's what you want to see. So you start with the word of God and his want for you. Um, and your needs become the prayer because his wants have already been stated. 
like if just to take an example of Colossians 3, it said that um, forgive everyone because Christ has forgiven you. That's his want for you, right? Then it becomes your need. That means you need to do that. <laughs> so it becomes your need, therefore your prayer. I don't know. I, Also, that's really good about the journaling, because if I look at my early journals, it was like, my husband's this, my kids are this, the person down the street is this, like, this is horrible. I mean, it was like, blah. And sometimes you do need to vomit before you can swallow a good meal. Let's just be honest. So, so it, it would be that way. But now, I'm sorry, guys, but... But now it's like, it's so different. And you just watch the course of time where it was not they, 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 all these external things. And then it became, whoa, I'm doing this. This is dishonoring you. God, I, I transform me and conform me. I, I need to be like you. I want to be, I want to bear juicy fruit. You know what I mean? It becomes like that. And I love how Carrie in these practical applications, she says, put on here what the thief is doing and then what God wants you to do. Or, you know, it's you, if you're putting stuff like negative emotions on a page, which that may be what you do then, but what does God say after you've all this yucky stuff comes out, then what, what is true? What is honorable? What is pure? What is lovely? Think about those things. And, um, it's not something when you're right. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. We're all in different processes of sanctification. So it may be that when you journal, like when I started, it's all blah, you know, blah, 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 blah. But eventually you trust that you're sowing into this discipline and then it becomes beautiful and he makes everything beautiful in his time. And I did want to say that I read the word of God. I love it because it's a sword and it's double edged and it's violent and it's awesome. And it frees people and it divides soul from spirit. And you can't be fake or pretend or wishy-washy when it comes to the word. But I wanted to um, point out some things that I supplement my my reading of the word of God. And so um, Emma suggested that maybe I show and tell you earlier when we were meeting. So I have um, an NLT um, study Bible. So when I'm studying the word of God, I I use a study Bible because um, I want practical questions. It's not all I wish I could say I carried a spirit of wisdom and revelation 24 seven. And the word is just illuminated to me all the time. But I, in the bottom of it, there's questions like real practical contextual questions that lead me to, to contemplate what the Lord is wanting to do in me and through me. And then like when I want to, um, when I want to learn more about fasting, then I get a book on fasting and I get a journal on fasting because it tells me things that I don't know. These aren't like cultural things that we just practice and everybody knows what you do and how you start a fast and how you finish a fast. And then, um, if I'm trying to renew my mind and, um, learn, where is it? Where is it? If I'm wanting to learn how to battle What's going on in my mind? Like, guys, we have authors here at Good News Church. So uh, Femi Awadali wrote Battlefield of the Will. You could read Joyce Meyer's Battlefield of the Mind, which is a really thick book. Or you could read this concise book. Nobody asked me to share these books. I feel compelled by the spirit of the living God. So when I want to learn more about Holy Spirit and how my body is the temple and I'm the new church, then I'll read a book about it, guys. The Real House of God. Dr. Deli Davies at our church wrote this book. I just supplement the word of God with resources. And there's seasons where the Lord says, um, nope, there's no outside material. It's just me and the word. And then there's other times where the grace is to go ahead and get what other people carried and sowed for and got victory for because then I get, I get to partake of the ground that they, and what one last series, you guys, well, Oswald Chambers just like seriously wrecked my the Holy Spirit through Oz wrecked my life. This is falling apart and broken. It's missing the first probably January of it. But let me tell you this one more. I'm so sorry, Jenny. This one more thing. I love Graham Cook. Does anybody know who Graham Cook is? Yes. So he 
the journaling and the prayer thing together, he wrote this little devotional series. Um, it's called being with God. And what I like is it's like, it's bite-sized information and revelation. And he gives you practical everyday tools on how to eat this word, meditate on the word. And then there's like journal, it's a journal. So there's stuff in here that you can write. What is God? Like, I don't, I try not to write inside the book because then I loan them out and I don't want people reading my business, frankly, but, um, but you can, you get the journaling, you get the word, you get the meditation, you, you get it all there. So I just, in case those of you are wondering, those are the things that I supplement, um, supplement with. That's the last one. Okay. How can I break free from old habits and practice new ones, transforming old habits? You want to do it? Well, I have a scripture for that, which yeah. I believe that has helped me. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them actually is Colossians 3. It's actually really putting away your old habits and putting on new ones which Christ has given you. It is available for us, as Ephesians says, everything that we need for a godly living has been given to us in Christ Jesus. So we can actually receive of what he has given to us. We have to. And the, this actually, um, I believe it's Second Corinthians Chapter 10, verse 5, uh, where he says that our weapons are not carnal, but they are mighty in God to bring down every stronghold, every thought. So this is our old habits, our thought-forming processes in our mind. We can bring it down. And then it says that after you have obeyed, that when the disobedience comes, you're alert. That's the second part of it. You're alert. So the beauty of it is not that you don't do it ever again. Hallelujah, if you don't do it again. But I've seen that sometimes I come back to the same things, but I am now cautioned by the Spirit of God at that point. And it, it, sometimes some things have taken years, some things are still happening, taking time, but I am cautioned. If it is anger, when irritation comes, I know what has irritated me to get me to that place of throwing up <laughs> words that are bad or whatever. But that the Spirit of God brings us to that place of being sensitive that you can be obedient to Christ. You can bring that down in, in Jesus. And um, that is our spiritual growth. It's a process, as we said. It's done for us. We grow into it. So I don't know if that helped. Yeah, that's really good. Well, I would, um, for me, like if there was... Uh, old habits that like besetting sins and stuff like there is a fast that will loose the bounds of wickedness so you know we don't want to fast i don't like to fast but i want to i want my spiritual senses to be alert and i want to position myself to receive a greater anointing or to receive revelation not just for myself but for other people and so sometimes you know he said to the to the disciples he said these don't come out but by prayer and fasting so if they don't come out by prayer and fasting then we have something that needs to come out sometimes we have strangers that need to be swept out spiritually seeking strong you know um, spiritually speaking, that need to be swept out by, and and we position ourselves in that according to where it says there is a fast that's required to loose the bonds of wickedness. So that's what we have to do. We have to take the word and apply the word and not just hear it only. Right? Okay. One more thing. Uh This receiving thing is not, you know, sometimes I keep saying receiving, receiving, and like, what do you mean by receiving the word? And sometimes I have to break it down for myself. The Lord says you believe, you know, your salvation was how? It was by faith. You took it. There was a receiving of your faith. You took it. And so are these things. You take it because the Lord has given it to you. Thank you. Okay. What, how are we doing? We're done? One minute? Okay. I just want to say one more thing. Ministry to Jesus is so important. We receive, we receive, we receive, but we need to give, give, give. I mean, I mean, it's, it's, I just felt important to say ministry to Jesus is so important and not just to corporate worship, but just like ministering to him, like going to him and telling him how beautiful he is and just worshiping him and in spirit and in truth and not asking for anything. Lots of times just 
being in your pre- his presence, like the answers come to the questions and worshiping him. But it's just about giving to him because he already gave. He paid everything. And so just remembering to uh, a part of the abiding is just, oh, gosh, are we completely out of time? Okay, just super quick. Do you guys know who Brother Lawrence is? Yes, you do. Of course. Our, our, okay, so I just wanted to read. Um, ah, okay. Okay, I want to read a couple of quotes and then we'll be done. And I'll try to do it in less than 60 seconds. Okay, so um, Brother Lawrence, he was a layman monk and former army soldier. He practiced the presence of God for over five decades. I want to read some of what he says. Our driving pursuit ought to be a resolve love for God, a heart resolutely determined to apply itself to nothing but him. He says, love must be the goal of all of our spiritual practices and that those who do not advance in spiritual practices most often neglect the love of God, which is the end. He says, don't do not be discouraged by the resistance you will encounter from your human nature. You must go against your human inclinations. No discipline is enjoyable. Why it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of, of right living for those who are trained in this way. Um, and he says, he prays, my God, since are you, you are with me, and since by your will I must occupy myself with external things, grant me the grace to remain in you and your presence through his normal, everyday, eating, sleeping, drinking life. He says, when we are faithful in keeping ourselves in God's holy presence, keeping him always before us, he brings to us a holy freedom. And if I may say so, a familiarity with God, wherein we may ask and receive the graces we are so desperately in need of. In short, by often repeating these acts, they become habitual and the presence of God becomes something that comes naturally to us. And finally... As for what happens to me these days, I cannot express it. I no longer have any pain or difficulty because I have no will except that of which God's, which I endeavor to do in all things. I make it my business only to persevere in his holy presence, wherein I keep myself by by a simple attention and a general fond regard to God, which I refer to as the actual practice of the present. So learning to abide and be like connected and dialed in all the time, every moment of every hour of every day is not something that happens overnight. And it's not something that happens in a couple of decades. It is like a lifelong pursuit of abiding in the vine.